Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Without any further to be said, come on, can we give my friend and my overseer, Pastor Craig Wendell, a good hand as he comes? Come on. Thanks, buddy. Turkey. Hey. How y'all doing? I'm sorry, you don't understand, y'all. Um, sup? I was just told that that's what I'm supposed to say. Kaka! Okay. Um, so, if you, some of you were like, "Oh dear God, I, what what is going on?" Uh, so. I have been a part of Radius Church since my, my first time speaking at Radius Church was back in the upstairs at the pizza restaurant. How many, how many were a part of Radius? I don't want, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but how many were a part of the pizza area of Radius? Okay, just a couple. Yeah, yeah, okay, 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 okay cool, cool, cool. Um, let me do another side. How many of you, and again, I'm, I'm really not trying to embarrass anybody and there's no tricks to this. I'm just, I'm just curious, just curious. How many of you have been coming to Radius only since you've been in this building? A, a few others. Okay, that's awesome, that's awesome. And then the rest of you, you've been with us for a little while. Um, and I'm saying all that for this very reason. You guys, this building is absolutely amazing. And it's glorious, and you need to be thanking God for it every single day. And the other thing you need to thank God for is your amazing, over-the-top, the coolest guy on the planet, your pastor, Ken Hubbard, is fantastic. He is, um, it, when you're in church world stuff, I, I'm in church world, I know, it's like one of those things. But uh, it's kind of like a disease, but different. And... But when you're in church world, you'll hear a lot of guys talk about a pastor, and they'll say, oh, he's a visionary. And most of them are not visionaries. Most of them are copycats. Oh, oh by the way, I'm as real as it gets. So if you don't like that, <laughs> you picked a horrible day to come. If it's your first time here today, come back next week for Pastor Ken to preach, and you'll, you'll fall in love with him. But your pastor is not a copycat at all. Your pastor is honestly, in my opinion, one of the greatest visionaries in the church world that I've met. Um, his vision for not just this building and not just what you're doing in this building, his vision, that's, that's, that's beautiful and amazing, but it's also very small. His vision is a valley. Have you guys heard of Skagit Valley? His vision, you guys I think we live there. Um, the, the whole valley, this whole region, his vision that the Lord has given him is bigger than just this, and it's fantastic and amazing, and please, for the love of God, genuinely the love of God, don't take that for granted, because your pastor is one of the greatest men I've ever met, and I, and I mean that. Now, he told me to say all that, paid me money. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He did not. He did not. Um, I, I really mean all of that. Uh, but listen, um, I, I'm not just here to pat him on the back or pat you on the back. By the way, thanks for coming. I mean, yeah. like even early service, like you guys are troopers. What are you, like saved or something? Do you know Jesus? <laughs> this is crazy, crazy. Um, uh, but I'm here for a reason. I've been tasked with a job to get us through Ephesians chapter 2. Pastor Ken has been, woo! 
Pastor Ken has done a fantastic job on two weeks on Ephesians chapter 1. And um, so we're going through Ephesians, and hopefully you're going to learn something. Hopefully you have learned something, because I, I just have this thing that we should all be lifelong learners. If you stop learning, you stop growing. If you stop growing, you did. And so we don't want to be dead, so we want to grow. So are you ready to learn a little something today? Only four people over here. Are y'all... Y'all, y'all good? Um, we're going to learn something today. So Ephesians chapter 2. So, okay, Ephesians chapter 1. Okay, so all of Ephesians really just tells us how to live a Christian life in a, in a horrible culture. And that's, that's pretty important. And so that's where we are. And Ephesians chapter 1, Ken, Ken he kind of stole, like, that, like, like, chapter 1 is just all about how good God is. And that's great. And then chapter 2 starts with a Bruce Lee throat chop. It's like a slap in the face. The Apostle Paul is just like... Hey, moron. Okay, so are you ready for, I, I have the job of starting with a slap in the face. Thank you very much, Pastor Ken. Um, so pull out, your, pull out your Bible, your phone. You can read it up here if you're hooked on phonics. I'm from Mississippi, so we don't really read that much, but we'll try. Um, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago, sweetheart, that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the, obeying the dark rulers of the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth. In other words, the Apostle Paul is like, hey, don't forget, you used to suck. You used to be horrible. You were a heathen, a no good for nothing sinner. And for some of you, that's a, you have to think way back. For some of you, that was last night. Some of you, so we're like, how did he know? Some of you, but don't, listen, don't ever forget where you came from. Don't, for some of you, it was last night, I, that, a joke, but probably if your church is like my church, mostly true. Um, but for some of you, it was 20 years ago. And if you ever forget, here's the problem, if you ever forget where you came from, it sets you up to just live your life in a horrible way. And the Apostle Paul is not bringing up your past and my past to throw shade on your past. He's doing it to shine the light on the glorious grace of God. And it's different. It's a different perspective because here's the deal. If you don't realize that you're, you used to be a sinner, are you also with me? That if you don't realize that you used to be a sinner, then you won't recognize that it's only God's grace that got you to where you are. And when you forget God's grace, then here's what happens. You start to think you have earned something. And then you stop applying grace to yourself and you stop applying grace to other people. And that gets a little shady. And the Apostle Paul is saying, chapter 1, oh, God is so good. And he is. Okay, I'll just spend the rest of the time. God's good. He's amazing. He's fantastic. We're not. We're not, and we can't forget that the only reason we get up in the morning and have breath in our lungs is because of the grace of God. So, and it's not to bring shame. You can write this down or fill in the blank or however you do it. Remembering your past should give you fresh perspective, not shame. 
Why is it we, we should be able to talk about our previous sins? I was just back there in that room talking to Matt, and he was like, how'd you meet the Lord, whatever, and I grew up, I was a man whore, okay? Now, how, some of you are like, oh, some of you are like, oh. <laughs> oh, didn't see that coming, Pastor Greg. <laughs> how can I say that and not be ashamed? Because I am human and the only reason I'm standing here today is because of this thing called grace and I can look back at with that with a fresh perspective not because I have achieved something but because the grace has made it possible for me to stand where I am my perspective is different because I don't live there no more come on somebody I don't live there anymore I've moved and you've moved Look at this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, the next verse. But God, can we, can we just pause for a second? I love God's butt. He's got a big butt. Come on, you know you're thinking the same song. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Wait. Every time you see butt in the Bible, here's the deal. It is a verbal eraser of what has come before. Uh, that's what but is and when God says but but God but God has erased my past because now I have moved I no longer live there I now live in this place called Jesus Christ it's different I've moved but God still loved us with such great love he is so rich in compassion and mercy he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace You're killing me, Smalls. His wonderful grace. Don't miss this because it will change everything in your life. It is by his grace that we have moved. And where have we moved? We have moved to Ephesians 26, 2, 6. Yeah, there's a colon in between them, but move on with me. Ephesians 2, 6. You ready? I really appreciate y'all. I really do. You guys are fantastic. <laughs> Talking to me. You're paying attention. Y'all are in the middle, on the bubble. Y'all got issues. <laughs> Get some coffee. It's all good. Ephesians 2, 6. The Ephesians way. Check this out. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We've moved. We have a new address. Jake, can you put it on the screen? Where's the new address? The new address is 26 Ephesians Way, Heavenly Realm, Glory! 77777. I don't know what, keep that right there. No, yeah, keep that right there. I don't know where you live. I don't want to know where you live, and I'm not going to tell you where I live. But whatever your address is, understand something. Your address of sin and your past life has changed. We live in a whole different place. And it says, the Apostle Paul says it, we live. Where do you live now? I live at 26 Ephesians Way, heavenly realm. What's the state I live in? I live in a state of, come on, say Oh, no, that was setting up. Oh, y'all are awake. Great. The, the rest of you. Now, what happened to you? Okay, 26. Where do I live? Let me tell you where I live. Let me tell you where you live. 26 Ephesians Way, Heavenly Realm. Glory! 77777. We live in a whole new place. And when you live in a new place, you have to adapt to that. Let me, this verse is too beautiful to just move on real quick. Let me just break it down for you real quick, okay? He raised us. That's our positional resurrection. I'm going to throw out some big terms. We're just going to fly through this. Okay, you, you with me? Yeah. 
He re- Raised us. Our, that's our positional resurrection. And then with us, we're together with Jesus. Jesus died, rose again, and then was seated at the right hand of the Father. We are dead to sin. He resurrected our spirit, man, when we get saved, and now we are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly realms. Glory! Okay, and then he seated us. Why? Seated us. Past tense. You didn't earn it. You will never earn it. I will never earn it. But he's already done it for us. Aren't you glad for a work that is already done? I didn't deserve it. I didn't have to get a mortgage on it. Jesus paid in full everything to have me seated with him. Oh, I love that. And heavenly realms is just living in a place of God's glory. Anytime you live in a new residence, you have to adapt to that new place. We lived in, uh, Patty and I, by the way, my wife is also named Patty. Totally different woman. So, so when I say Patty, some of you are like, that's a different kind of friendship you two have. <laughs> so my wife is also named Patty. Uh, Patty, <laughs> Patty, uh, that's funny. Uh, Patty, my Patty, this whole time, the whole time I've been here, every time I tell a story, I'm like, my Patty, or your Patty, they get articles. Anyway, my Patty and I, um, we've been married for forever. Uh, but we used to live in Honduras. We lived in Honduras for a while. We lived in an itty-bitty little village called Rio Viejo, about an hour, hour and a half, depending on the condition of the trail, to get up there. Way up in the rainforest, we we're the only English speakers. And there, we lived in the Taj Mahal compared to what everybody else lived in. Everybody else was in mud huts and stuff like that. We lived in a 15 by 30 cinder block home with a tin roof. Um, 15 by 30, just a little bit bigger than the stage. Okay, and there was a wall down the middle, and the one half of the house was the, the living area. We, there was no furniture because we didn't, we, didn't we, didn't, we didn't have furniture. Um, um, just the living area. And then the other side of the hall, house was kitchen, bedroom, bathroom that was about the size of this right here, and then another bedroom um, that we had one child at the time, and she slept in there. And everything, okay, so the windows in this house, I say windows, they, they were just holes. They're just holes. They, when we got the house, somebody had put a front door on it, but not a, not a back door, just an open, just come on in. And we're there, and my wife, Patty, she's at the little, little sink. I mean, don't think grand when I say kitchen, right? She's at the kitchen, and there's a window, I'm sorry, a window right there opening. And she, the first few weeks, she'd say, oh, Craig, look at the cows. There's cows out there. And I'm like, babe, there's, there's, there's animals every. I mean, there's animals everywhere. It's just we're in the freaking jungle right and and one day she said we were there about a month and she said maybe three weeks she said Craig cow I said babe you've been saying that all day they're cow they're they're everywhere she said nope cow in the kitchen and I, I walk in there and she's at the sink and she just at the sink like washing dishes and she the cow is like literally right here I was like huh so guess what I did the next day I built the back door some of you some of you were married, right? And then I, I come in. I was building a medical clinic there. That was what we were doing. And so I come in one day from the job site, and she's, just, she's cooking. And she says, hey, when you get a chance, my, my, my wife turned from a southern belle to a jungle queen. She was awesome. She's just cooking. And she said, hey, honey, when you get a chance, can you take care of that? And above her head on the little where the cinder block came up and the tin roof was here, um, on that little ledge was a lizard about, mm, about that long. And he's just smelling the food. He's just happy as can be. My wife, not freaked out, guess what I did the next day? I, I, I sealed off all that up there. I adapted. The one thing I hardly ever got used to was all the stuff that crawls on you at night. Um, 
without too much detail. Uh, it's, it's the jungle, right? So you sleep with as little clothes as possible, uh, you know, no covers. You just, it's just hot, y'all. You, you sleep starfish, right? And just starfish. And just lay in there, and like these, they have these cockroaches that are about that long, and they just, they just crawl on you. Aren't you thankful for your country now? Anyway, um, they just crawl on you. And so one night, I remember I'm laying there, and I felt this cockroach climb up my, roll, roll up, he rolled up, you know, he climbed up my chest real fast. And I, I did the manly thing. I snatched that cockroach, I'm just out of a dead sleep. Ah! Because that's what grown men do, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Squealed like a little girl. Next morning, I wake up, Patty's there, and I'm like, hey, babe, how'd you sleep? She said, oh, it was, it was okay, how'd you sleep? I said, man, this cockroach ran up my, my chest. And I, she said, what'd you do? And I said, well, I grabbed it, and I, I threw it, and I, I screamed a little, little bit. I didn't wake you up. She said, no, you didn't wake me up. She said, I had one crawl on me, too. I said, really? She said, yeah, it climbed in my ear. I'm telling you, my wife is the greatest woman on planet. She said, she said, it kind of in my ear. I was like, oh my, oh, oh my God. Because I'm thinking, if you have a cockroach in your head right now, that explains a lot. You know what I'm saying? I just said, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I said, what did, what did you do? She said, well, I just grabbed the back end of it and pulled it out and squeezed it till it popped and I went back to sleep. How many know I got an amazing wife, right? That's awesome. Guess what I did the next day? I went to town and got a little mosquito netting and tucked it in under the sheets and all, under the mattress and all that. Where we lived, we adapted. Where you live, we have to adapt. We have a new address, 26 Ephesians Way, Heavenly Realm. Glory! 77777. And you have to adapt to where you live, and where we live has some new house rules. Every house has different rules. Every house has different ways of living there. You have to adapt. So how, let me, let me go over a few things that are brand new in this new residence that you might not realize. And sometimes we try to live by the wrong rules of the wrong house and never understand why we don't fit in in the house that we're supposed to be living in. Come on, somebody, this gets really good. Okay, here, here's the first one. How many's ready to be offended? <laughs> Sorry, I don't like this church at all anymore. Um, <laughs> Here's the, first, here's the first thing about this new residence. The Apostle Paul tells us that it's a new family. It's a new family. Ephesians 2 verse 13 says this. Yet look at you now. Okay, so why are we looking at us now? Because remember, remember what he said. Don't, go, don't forget where we were. You used to be, I used to be a sinner. A professional. Any of you were a professional sinner? I was. A pro, I'm a professional. I'm good at it. And I'm enjoying every minute of it. Come on, somebody. If you're not enjoying sin, you're doing it wrong. Anyway, um, he's saying, don't forget where you were. We were sinners. But now, now look at you. Everything's changed. You have a brand new place to live in him. Now, look at you now. Everything is new. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, how many can relate, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our own, our union with Christ. For centuries, people have been identified by their ethnicity. And I know racism is a big thing in the United States. People are like, it's so bad here. Actually, can we just be honest for a second? If you 
zoom out and through history and globally, has actually gotten a lot better here in the United States. And I know you get all emotional about certain things at certain times of the year, and you're like, well, what about that? Okay, take a deep breath and zoom out and look at history and the globe. We're doing better. Can we still get better? Yes, but we're doing better. Now, here's the deal, and it's still this way. People are still identified by ethnicity, but what the Apostle Paul is saying, no more, because Jesus tore down the wall. We're no longer identified by ethnicity. We're identified by residency. Where are you living? I live at 26 Ephesians Way, Heavenly Realm. Glory! 77777. And in that house, there is only one thing. And don't say, oh, you're right, Pastor Craig. You're right. I'm colorblind, too. Don't say you're colorblind. God created color. <laughs> I've heard this for a lot. I, I'm, I'm colorblind, Pastor. Oh, you better than me. Okay, so here's the deal. How do you weave a beautiful tapestry of love with only one color? See, God made a beautiful and still continues to create color and ethnicity, and we need to recognize the joy of the differences, not try to make everything the same. If you're white, how about you recognize the beautiful Latino food? Come on. If no, am I the only one that thinks tacos is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Uh, am I the, I guess I'm the only person think, anybody... Churros. Have you tried churros? That will change your life. And if you're brown, pay attention to the African Americans. Have you ever had soul food? Oh, dear God, this stuff is amazing. And if you're African American, white people, well, we just stole all your food. Okay, anyway, because it's so good. But here's the deal. I mean, all jokes aside, it's, you can only create a tapestry of beauty with different colors. If everything's the same color, you just have a one-color blanket that you can wrap yourself in and feel all safe and comfortable, but that is not God's plan. And when we get to heaven and when we live at 26 Ephesians Way, heavenly realm, glory, 77777, there is not one color. We are not colorblind. We need to open our eyes and realize the beautiful diversity that God has created. And wherever there is prejudice, that is not the kingdom of God. Come on. Amen. Let me say that again. You, they got it. Wherever there is prejudice, that is not the kingdom of God. Thank you. Have you guys seen these YouTube videos where people um, put on, they're colorblind, and they put on the glasses that are special glasses? I suggest you go home and, and like, Fact check me and search. It's amazing. People that are colorblind and they put on these medical prescription glasses or whatever and they can see color. And grown men are brought to tears. There's this one older gentleman that they put the glasses on and he starts weeping. And he says, does it, does it always look like this? And I think sometimes God's created such beauty and we just ignore it and say trite little phrases like I'm colorblind. And God's like, no. I didn't make you colorblind. I make it. I made the world in a technicolor view. And you need to see every bit of it because every single person brings a different thing to the table and it's beautiful and we need it. And that's how you live at 26 Ephesians Way, recognizing the color and the beauty. You ready for another one? So new new family? Yeah. You, you, yeah. Yeah. I got more. Um, you ready? 
Okay, here's the, here's the second thing. We having fun? Here's, here's the second thing. It's a new rule. There, there's, there's a new, uh, uh, new rule at this new house. Now, look at this, look at this verse, Ephesians 2, 15. He did this. What is, what is this? We've just, well, I've just talked about it for uh, like 20 minutes. It's, it's this, this, this prejudice. He, he tore it down. So because of this, how did he do that? He did that because of this rule. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Now, every single house has rules. Like your house right now has rules. No, no. If you don't have rules, that's the problem with your kids, okay? Um, you need rules. Uh, now, and I'm not talking about opinions. I'm sure your house has, my house has a couple of rules, but more opinions than rules. Like my, <laughs> my wife, I'll talk about her because she ain't here. Um, my wife has an opinion on how I should load the dishwasher. I won't even look over here, but the one lady all the way in the back, yes. Yes. Honey, listen to the pastor. He's going to school you right here. There's one way. One way to load the dishwasher. No, darling. There's multiple ways, but you have an opinion on your way. My wife, I'll be loading the dishwasher, and she'll say, honey, still, we've been married over 30 years. She'll come in the kitchen. She'll hear the dishes. Not a thank you for washing the dishes. Not a wow, you took time out of your busy schedule to clean the kitchen. These would all earn her big brownie points. Not that she'll really need them, but she'll come in, and she'll say, honey, the plates go over here. And they get cleaner if you turn them this way. And I say, if you want it done that way, why don't you do it your own self? Get off your lazy butt and come load the dishwasher. No, no, I say that in my head. I don't say it doesn't come out of my mouth. <laughs> you missed the point. I've been married for over 30 years. <laughs> but she, she says, honey, we don't put sharp knives in the dishwasher. Why? It makes them dull. You have a job. Buy a knife sharpener. I just went and bought one. Anyway. Um, but you have opinions. Or how about, how about my wife has opinions on how to fold towels. Did you know there's, did you know there's one, more than one way to fold towels? When I, was, when I was in college, folding was not even an option. You just... If you washed it, you just bought it up through the closet. You're going to use it again. But now I get married, and there's one way to fold towels for this bathroom. There's one way to fold towels for this bathroom. And then the little powder room is like a whole different, that's a whole other world. I ain't, I ain't, I'm not educated. I'm like, babe, why is there, because they fit in the cabinet. Is anybody else, am I the only guy I'm confessing? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, some of you guys just won't admit it, but you're like, I'm really glad we came to church today, dear. <laughs> if it doesn't fit, just shove it up. But here's the deal. Well, you, every single one of us, you have opinions in your house. We have two rules. Now, we have a lot of guardrails for our kids. We have different suggestions and opinions. But we honestly, the whole time we've raised them, we have two rules. First rule is do not lie in this household. The second rule is you respect your mama. Because if you don't respect your mama, I'll take your face off. Because that's my lover. That's my girl. That's my, 
That's everything. Okay. Anyway, those are our only two rules. And so that's the rules in the Wendell household. Get this. At if 26 Ephesians way, heavenly realm, glory, seven, 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 seven. There's only one rule. Jesus narrows it down to one rule. How easy is that? Check out this rule. And before I even tell you, I can't tell you yet. You know why? Because some of you, I felt the religious spirit. Some of you were like, hmm, Pastor Craig. Hmm. Obviously, you've been smoking a little of the wacky weed that we've made legal here in the great state of Washington. A little too much puff, puff, pass, I hear. Because I've been in the church for at least two years, and I know, I know that there's this thing called the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You're saying there's one rule. Mm-mm. <laughs> Heresy. Isn't it funny? We fight to keep the Ten Commandments, and we put all of our faith in those. Check this out. Okay, can we go back and read that verse that I just read a minute ago? Because I think we're missing something. Now, the next five minutes, here's what I need you to do. I'm getting ready to teach you something straight from the Bible. I'm not going to twist it or change it or anything, but it's going to be something that's very contrary to what you have been taught your whole life. And when I first start doing it, you're going to be like, you're, you're going to push. I'm just telling you, you're going to push back. But will you hang with me for five minutes? Because I think we're trying to live a life that Jesus never asked us or expected us to live. And we're missing it. Look at what we read. We read Ephesians 2.15. I'm just going to say it like it is. He, who's the he, is, is Jesus, did this by what? What does ending mean? When you're watching a movie and you get to the end and it says the end, what does that mean? Over. Done. No mas. Right? He did this by ending the system of law with its... push back yet. Hold on. He did it by ending the commandments. Ending its commandments and its regulations. So he takes all of it, not just the Ten Commandments. There's over 600 other rules and laws, okay? So he took all of it and he ended it. It's done. It's, okay, how many of you, how, <laughs> okay, are you, okay, let me just read another verse, because some of you are looking at me like, I don't know. Remember, in, do you remember in the foreign country 10 years ago, in the faraway country called Alabama, there was a judge who fought really hard to keep the Ten Commandments on the wall, and all the Christians picketed and did all this stuff, and during that I was just like, why are we picketing for something that Jesus died to get rid of? Okay, hold, <laughs> am I okay, Ken? Okay. He's like, I think you need to leave. All right. Um, <laughs> check this out. Hebrews 8.13. This proves that by establishing this new covenant, we take communion all the time, and it's all about the new covenant. We live in the new covenant. Jesus died for the new covenant. The new covenant replaces the other. This proves that by establishing this new covenant, the first is now what? obsolete, ready to expire, and about to disappear. It actually, the whole system of the law disappears in AD 70 when Jerusalem fell to the Romans. But we won't get there right now. Let's just do this. It's obsolete. How many of you have ever had the old, we're going to show your age, the old Nokia phone? Come on. Come on, raise your hand. I had one. How many will confess that you sat there and played that game Snake on there? Anybody remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're my age. 
Hello. Um, we had that. Now, how many of you, those of you that raised your hand that confessed that you had a Nokia phone, how many of you now have a smartphone of some type, shape, kind? Why? And why do you not have the Nokia phone with you? Because it's obsolete. Why is it obsolete? Because something came along that was way better than what once was. So, and now when you find somebody still using a Nokia phone, I saw this elderly gentleman the other day talking on a, a flip phone, which is still newer than Nokia, but, and, and I had to laugh because I was just like, there's so much better. And we find people still following the Ten Commandments, and it's obsolete. Why are we still carrying it around? There's a new rule that changes everything. You want to know what it is? Anybody interested? Have I offended anybody? See, there's no Ten Commandments at 26 Ephesians Way, Heavenly Realm. Glory! 7777. Why? Well, okay, there might be. There might be a Ten Commandments hanging on the wall right next to a 16-point buck. And you could be sitting there in your new house and look at Jesus and be like, Jesus, why is there a Ten Commandments and a 16-point buck on the wall? Because that's redneck Jesus. He's going to be like, because I conquered both of them. Jesus don't talk that way. Yeah, he's from Southern Galilee. Sure he does. <laughs> he conquered them. He conquered them. So he gives us one command. Check this out. John 13, 34. So I give you now. Come, come on, somebody. Help me out. I give you. So I give you now. This is Jesus talking. I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Now, some of you might think that that's the same as where Jesus is in Mark chapter 12. It's not in the notes, but here's, you'll remember this story. A, a scribe comes to him and says, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? You remember this story? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase, but Jesus, it's Mark 12. You can go back and look at it. Jesus says, um, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and mind. Love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see the difference? Yourself, and here Jesus says, love as I loved you. Jesus was not telling us an old commandment or a new commandment. Jesus in Mark 12 was specifically answering a question from a scribe. From a Pharisee, okay. He was answering a question. He was speaking into the law, answering a question from the law. But then we come across this one, and Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to abolish the old law. I am giving you a new commandment, and it's to love your neighbor as I have loved you. What's the difference? Here's the deal. When you do something wrong, you love yourself less. Well, come on, let's be honest. I'm a human too. When I do something wrong, and I do the whole self-look thing. Come on, we get a little guilty. You do, I, just, I love myself less. And so if we're always following the old commandment of love your neighbor as you love yourself, then now my love for humanity is conditional. And when they do something wrong, it's easier to love them less because they've done something wrong. I'm loving them as I have loved myself. Come on, this is better than you think it is. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 sweetheart. That's old school. That's obsolete. I need you to now 
Love others as I have loved you. Remember when you used to be a sinner? Remember, don't forget the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2. Don't forget how far you've come and I loved you when you were drowning in your own depression, your own anxiety, your own addiction. When you were drowning in that and doing nothing right, I still can unconditionally loved you. Now, turn around and look at the world and love them not based on what they're doing. Love them like I have loved you. You. That is a new commandment. And when you do the new commandment, loving others as God has loved you, can I tell you something? It satisfies. If you're still hanging a hook on the Ten Commandments, it satisfies every single Ten Commandments. I'm not going to steal because I love them. I'm not going to cheat on my spouse because I love her. I'm not going to kill somebody. Well, they deserved it. Do they really? It doesn't matter what they deserve because I'm going to love them like God loved me. Unconditional. Man, that should make you more happy than it does. I don't get it. Um, Instead of walking around, wouldn't the kingdom of God and the body of Christ be so much better if we stopped walking around with a religious, condemning, rule-following attitude and switch? That's Ten Commandments old school. Jesus said, that's so obsolete. That's so 1990, right? That's so obsolete. It's so obsolete. What if, what if, riddle me this, Batman, what if? We just decided to actually start loving people not based on how they act, what they look like, what they do. What if we offer them the same grace that God offered us? It changed our lives. I'm a firm believer that if we'll just love people and give them the same grace God gave us, then their lives will be changed just like our lives will be changed, and then our county will be changed, our state will be changed, our nation will be changed, our world will be changed. The kingdom of God will advance forward instead of being kicked back because of rules and regulations that are obsolete that Jesus died to get. Okay, let's move on. Y'all aren't getting it. Ephesians 2.19 says this, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're part of a new family, right? You are citizens. Citizens have rules. We got how many rules do we have in our new house? Well, just, just, just one. Just one. Oh, so easy. Love others as God loved you. Just one. I have two. Don't lie. And Respect your mama. Okay. Um, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Here's the third thing and the final thing. I know you're glad I'm done. Here we go. It's the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. Our new house has a cornerstone. Um, back in the old school days when they were building buildings and whatnot, there were three really important stones. There was the capstone, the keystone, and the cornerstone, okay? We have different building stuff now, but you guys get the stuff, okay? The most important of those was the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the first stone that was laid, and then the entire building was dependent upon that one cornerstone. The cornerstone was so important that it was painstakingly hewn to perfection. There, like every single measurement was, I mean, I, like, I can't overemphasize the perfection that went into the cornerstone. The rest of it, you could get like, ah, close, because you're lining up with the cornerstone. But the cornerstone was so, get this, the cornerstone was so important, you can go back into Hebraic history a little bit, and when they would set the cornerstone and get it where it needed to be, the priest would come in and they would do a ceremony to celebrate the capstone. Check this out. This is just, look, anybody, anybody like history? I love history. I'm the only one. Okay. Are you people like math freaks? I don't do math. Um, the capstone, the priest would come in and they would pour 
wine on top of the capstone as part of the ceremony. They would put grain on top of the capstone as part of the ceremony. And they would put sacrificial animal blood on top of the capstone. Aren't, isn't that interesting? The wine is, represents the new covenant. Um, the grain represents the, the bread of life. And, of course, the sacrificial blood of his life that died for us and our sins. And the cornerstone of Jesus Christ was specifically hewn with 351 prophetic messianic prophecies that had to be exact. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. And he is the ultimate cornerstone that our new home, 26 Ephesians Way, is built off of. It's where we're seated. And now you might be saying, Craig, what is the big deal? Why did you tell us all that history? Here's the deal. You ready? Here's the deal. And then we'll pray. Here's the deal. You ready? You ready? Everything we now do with our lives needs to be lined up off of Jesus Christ. Every decision, every attitude, every job we take, everything needs to be lined up with this one man, this cornerstone, because it is so important. It is, he is everything. And so are we going, don't forget why the Apostle Paul even wrote Ephesians, are we going to line up our lives with culture? Or are we going to line up our ways and our lives differently. See, a lot of times Christians look just like everybody else in the world. And if you look like everybody else in the world, can I tell you something? You're probably not living at the same house I'm living at. There are times where we offend people. There are times where we act different. There are times where we say things different. There are times where we say things that are contrary to what is common and acceptable. But we do it anyway. Why? Because we have a completely different residence than this. Everything we do needs to line up with this man named Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray. Can I pray with you guys? Yeah. Let, me, let me do this. Um, before I do that, are you, are you stuck? Are you stuck at your old house? Can you not get out? Are you stuck in your old house of maybe you're struggling with anxiety, depression, Passive suicidal thoughts. A relationship that you're telling everybody else is working and it's just fine even though you know it's falling apart. And you're just stuck. And we look at different ways and different ideas or quick fixes on the internet for all of those things. And those are all cultural answers. But I'm here to tell you something. There's a better answer. There's a cornerstone that we line up off of, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if you will just give him a chance, because that's all he needs, give him a, a sliver. Just, just, just start with a sliver. I can't give him my whole life. Okay, okay, okay. It's so fantastic. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you just give him a sliver, he'll, you'll immediately turn everything over to him. Why? Because he's that fantastic. He'll change your life from beginning to end, and he'll move you to a whole new residence that you have never experienced before. Can I pray with you right where you are?